0: The more you learn, the more you realise there is still to learn.
1: This is Sparking Connections, a podcast where two education enthusiasts teach each other about their respective fields of study. My name is Kimberly Wardle, and I'm a final year microbiology student at the University of Surrey.
0: And my name is Esme Beaumont, and I have a literature degree from the University of Liverpool.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Sparking Connections. Woohoo, we made it, another week. (laughs) It's a science episode this week, so I'm going to be talking about immortality, and we'll be doing a Q&A on every episode, so don't forget, I want to see your questions, but yeah, we'll be doing a Q&A in a couple days' time once this podcast is released, uh, so get in your questions, and we can dive right in to immortality. Esme, what do you know about immortality?
0: Uh, Primarily that it's impossible. Mm-hmm. But weirdly, now that I think about it, I wouldn't be able to tell you precisely why. Like, I'm not yeah. sure what it is biologically that makes you age,
2: mm-hmm. and that
0: that that's I'm I'm almost surprised with myself that I don't know that. Um, it seems like a fairly obvious thing, but yeah, I don't know. I know that um, you know, it comes up a lot in in sci-fi, yeah. Uh, cryogenic chambers and um, like. Uh, trying to circumvent it with technology, um, Mm -hmm. androids, and um, what's the word for augmenting your body with technology? Like cyborgs? Yes, cyborgs. (laughs) That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, cyborgs and such characters who are hundreds of years old because Mm. they've gradually replaced all the failing, aging parts of their body with computery things. Um, But in terms of real-world application... I am not aware of any (laughs) possibility, fair enough, or really any legitimate attempts.
1: Yeah, so from what I found, there isn't very many or any publicized real life events for Mm -hmm. humans, but there are some. I guess you could say, like, I would call them like by their name, but there's some worms that can regenerate and regenerate, which could indicate that they're immortal, almost. I don't know if they... A lot of times, scientists don't like to use the word immortal. Right. Because it has, like, other implications within science. Okay. So let's talk about mortality. So we know mortality is death. All cells are gonna die. Mm-hmm. It's just how it happens because of the mechanisms that our cells go through. We have forty, up to 40 trillion cells in our body. Wow. Which is A lot. And they're all doing various things, including dividing and making proteins. And that's like, that doesn't even touch the surface. That doesn't even like, you can't even see the surface through a telescope for the list of things that I could name that cells do. So all those processes, you can imagine, take a toll on the cell. Mm -hmm. So eventually the cell just can't do those functions properly anymore. They can't maintain the actions that they need to do to be considered normal, mortal cells. Right. So then if we think about mortality as the opposite of that, it would be that the cell continues to to grow and regenerate and the cell can continue completing those functions infinitely. Mm -hmm. So when you think about a cell trying to complete functions infinitely, you kind of think, hmm, yeah, immortality, not really that possible. Because in the context of being able to live forever, like you, there's there's damage and processes that happen. You know, the sun damages your cells. Eating certain foods damages your cells. Breathing oxygen damages your cells. So,
0: hold on a minute. Did you did you just say breathing damages your cells?
1: Oh yeah, we'll get into that. Don't you worry.
0: Oh god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so the ability to live forever, the ability to have those cells do those processes infinitely means there's got to be something that's, like, combating that damage, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got to combat that damage enough for you to potentially not age. So, obviously, we need to, like, kind of define, how do we define immortality? Is it you can age forever or you stop aging? Um, Is it, like, you know, like, vampires or, like, the fountain of youth, you know? You just, like, sort of, like, exist in stasis, Mm-hmm. It's, it's so Brains like in jars. <laughs> right exactly and you already said about technological enhancement you know and, and the question then goes to are you really you if you mm. changed and, and altered and all that kind of stuff so besides all the ethics and philosophy and all that good stuff cell death happens all the time in your body it needs it you know, when you're in the foetal stage, I mean, you you don't necessarily know that you're in the foetal stages when you're in the foetal stages. Can't say I remember. I can't say I recall <laughs> what that was like. But when you're in the foetal stages of development, you have webs between your fingers and your toes, all the way to the tippy, tippy top of your fingers. Weird. You don't have those now. I mean, some people do, but like typically people don't. That's because there's a mechanism of the removal of tissue. The removal of cells, so that when you're developing, you have the webs and then it's like, oh, these cells don't need to be here anymore. We'll just kill them and remove them. Okay. And that happens all the time. If there's damage to a cell, like I said, from the sun or from food, then that cell can be removed. Your immune system will do that pretty well. They do it for viruses too, because they live inside your cells. And they do it for cancers, because cancer cells obviously are cells that shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. If they can be spotted by the immune system, which is a whole other issue they'll be removed. Right. Like, the question would be, is that something we need to alter? How cells decide what cell is dead and what cell needs to be removed? Because typically, if a cell is damaged, they're like, right, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And then cells need to grow and and divide to fill that space. Right. So if there's no cell death, maybe the cells will be able to live longer because they're dividing less, but then you kind of need to remove those damaged cells. Right. The next sort of question is how you would combat old age. You know, you get your wrinkles and your bad back and all that forgetful stuff. And there's like a number of ways that old age happens. And there's actually been a new news article suggesting that there's like a key to old age. There's like, oh, we've discovered a, a way to determine how you will age. Which is all well and good, but I don't necessarily know if I'm going to end up really wrinkly when I'm older. Like, that's something that's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's do a little bit of science here. You know, you know how we do. With old age being the equivalent to telomere shortening. So I'm going to explain what telomeres are. Good. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long, a nice long journey. Okay. So as I said, we've got trillions of cells in our body. Each of those cells, every single one, pretty much, has a nucleus, if it's a dividing cell.
2: Okay.
1: And those nuclei contain DNA. With me? We all Mm -hmm. know what DNA is. DNA is the recipe book for all our body's existence and substances, the things we make, enzymes, cell structures, tissues, all that. The DNA is the thing that tells the body literally how it's going to look, how it's going to be, what components it needs in it, everything. That DNA is wound up tightly. It's very long. DNA is very long for every single cell. So it has to be wound up tightly. It's coiled and coiled and coiled into chromosomes. Mm -hmm. And then those chromosomes are what exist when our cell is dividing. So our DNA gets wound up into chromosomes when our cells divide. So if the recipe for our cells is the folded up chromosomes, when these chromosomes are paired and then separated during cell replication, the ends of the DNA can be eaten away. That just happens when division happens. Okay. To combat that, our DNA has telomeres on the end. They're like a little little hat, a little cap, to be like, no, no, don't eat me, please. (laughs) In actual fact, the cap is just a series of repeating sequences that don't mean anything. So if they're eaten away, it doesn't doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the cap is the telomere. And as you age, you've obviously had more and more cell divisions, more and more of the telomere has been eaten away, therefore the telomere gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So you can actually determine someone's age from the telomere length. I was reading an interesting article about the fact that early childhood stress can actually shorten your telomeres. Oh wow, So stress is actually killing you guys, so (laughs) we need to to take take it down a notch. But overall, you've got these little protective caps on the end of our chromosomes. Okay. So because the DNA isn't being eaten away, it allows the cell to continue to divide. Because obviously once the DNA is eaten away, it becomes a damaged cell, leading to cell death, right? Mm -hmm. So we're keeping our cells viable by protecting the ends of the DNA sequences.
0: Oh, so if you could somehow add more of that Mm. to cells, those, those cells wouldn't die.
1: Exactly, or they wouldn't be damaged and then wouldn't need to be removed. Right. Because the cell doesn't die when it loses DNA; it just kind of can go a bit crazy and a bit haywire. Right. because can... it doesn't have all of
0: the information that it had before, so it's
1: right. Yeah, the information is is wrong or like or taking away altered. computer
0: code from a website. Like eventually, it's gonna crash. It's just gonna crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, then the cleanup crew comes along. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. So you awesome. can tell I'm not a scientist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can I ask a really stupid question?
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: If you stopped cells from dying, but they're still dividing, mm-hmm. wouldn't you have too many cells?
1: Yeah, so it would need to be, which is another one of the issues, is it would need to be a specific kind of lack of death. Right. Because you don't, wanna, you don't want cancer cells to survive. No. You don't want mutated cells to survive. You don't want viral infected cells to survive. You just don't want the healthy cells to die. Right. So it's like sort of a selective survival, which is why a lot of scientists haven't either researched it, talked about it, or wanted to be involved in it, because it's not really... The cancer cells and infected cells are very good at hiding. Okay. So if you were like, okay, we're going to remove all cell death, then those cells that are hidden, even if you think it's a healthy individual, will suddenly be like, woohoo, yeah, we can do what we want. It's not really very beneficial to the person mm. if they're living that long. Because and... that's the other question would be, if you were immortal, how likely is it that you'll end up developing cancer? Mm. Because, you know, you're around longer, your cells are dividing longer. You're... The division of cells isn't error proof. There's still errors. Okay. And those errors lead to mutations. And those mutations lead to the, the beginning of cancer. Right. And that happens to everybody now, but our immune system can deal with it. But if it happens for long enough, often enough, which is why it's more common for older people to have cancers. Right. Because their cells have been dividing a lot longer. They've had more opportunities to develop mutations. That's interesting. Hmm. So telomere, the telomere, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is eventually completely depleted. And that's when you run into problems such as Alzheimer's or Cancers can also be caused by DNA damage, like I said. So cancers can also be caused by telomere destruction. Okay. And also some autoimmune diseases, uh, all sorts of things. So the cell can no longer grow and divide correctly. That means it can no longer regenerate the tissue. Mm-hmm. It's effectively sort of, they call, call it senescence. It's just It just exists there. And if it's destroyed, it can be, it can be destroyed. But sometimes it's also just effectively a placeholder. It just exists in in its place and doesn't do anything. Okay. So telomere shortening happens during cell division. It can also happen as a result of oxidative stress. This is a fun one. You're going to love this. Oh, God. (laughs) When you breathe in oxygen, it produces chemical intermediates, which can cause damage within the cell. So when we process the oxygen we breathe in cells, it turns into... Free, it can produce free radicals, which in turn basically are toxic to the body and to cells.
0: Right. Okay.
1: We're like poisoning ourselves <laughs> with oxygen. So they form what's called reactive oxygen species, or ROS.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And ROS can target all sorts of things. We have a lot of mechanisms in our body that can deal with ROS, enzymes, various other oxygen-related processes. I'm not going to get too deep into those. (laughs) But basically, our body in general can use ROS for good things. It can process it, whatever. Like, we can use ROS to kill cells that have viruses in them and stuff like that. ROS is useful to us, but it's also toxic to us, right? Right. So, when there's oxidative stress and the production of free radicals, the mechanisms that will prevent the destruction of cells with these free radicals and with ross sometimes can't do that they don't know how to hmm, they don't know how to control it they don't and when there's a lot of stress a lot of cell functions might be depleted or stopped okay so effectively the stress reaches a certain point where the cell just stops working and stops doing its role Right, And then the oxygen species, the reactive oxygen species, can just destroy things, <laughs> which is great. So the corrosive capability of ROS is one of the mechanisms that DNA telomeres can become damaged or shortened. The stress events cause more ROS to be produced. Therefore, physical and emotional stress can age you because your telomeres are being destroyed by ROS. Hmm. Okay. So there are lots of ways to shorten telomeres. But the question is, is there a way to lengthen the telomeres? As you said, if you can stop the telomere from being broken down, could you stop aging? And there is an enzyme that, that does that in our bodies. It's called telomerase. It adds DNA to the end of the chromosomes. Okay. So you know how I said a telomere was a repeating sequence? Mm-hmm. Telomerase will add more of those repeats onto the end of the, the DNA, which is quite handy because, you know, if you've got... Things that are being broken down, you want it to be replaced. Okay. Because the other issue is, when things are broken down, they lose stability. Mm. And then, obviously, you lead to uncontrolled cell growth, and then you lead to cell death. Right. Basically, all we're trying to do is stop cell death at this point.
0: So, would more of that stuff be a way to slow down
2: ageing, then?
1: Mm. So, that's where it gets into some interesting territory. Okay. And where we need to start talking about cancer And immortality. Okay. Let's round off and say telomerase will extend the cell lifespan, Mm -hmm. allow more replications. But as I said before, more replications means more mutation. And the telomere is maintained, but this maintenance decreases over time. So telomerase isn't super effective forever. Right. It doesn't work all the time. And I found out that tel... I think it's telomerase in particular is a target for cancer treatments. So you'd think, oh, telomerase though, why would you want to get rid of telomerase? And that leads us nicely into cancer immortality. So the reason we can't use immortality as a word in general because is because immortality is a descriptor of a cancerous cell. In cancer, most times, don't know if all of the time, not a cancer expert, sure. but in cancer, cells will become immortal. They will become uncontrolled by the cell cycle. So the cell has a cycle. Surprise. It goes through all these stages. It goes through the growth phase, the division stage, the synthesis stage. I don't think those are in the right order, <laughs> but they're all there. All the gang's there. And all these stages have checkpoints. So the cell's like, hmm, are you, are you safe to go ahead? Have you got any mutations? you got any damage? Hmm. Yeah, go on then, you can go ahead. And there's a cascade that allows that to happen. You know, of like signalling proteins and enzymes and chemical reactions and all sorts of things that happen to, to make that happen. And cancer is very good at subverting those checkpoints. And it goes, nah, we don't need a checkpoint. And so the process just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and multiplies and grows. So the cells become malformed, and they they kind of grow out of control. That's why you get tumours. So a descriptor of cancer cells is immortality. Those cells won't die, because there's no signal for them being like, oh, you're damaged, you should die now. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we've got uncontrolled growth. We've got cancer immortality. Apparently, telomerase is increased in patients... With cancers. Oh. I think it was blood cancers specifically in this paper. Okay. But telomerase is showing itself. It's like, oh, cancer, yes, please. So then it begs the question do we want to use telomerase to uh, bring about immortality? Not really sure about that. So hang on. Hmm. You,
0: is, is the point that the telomerase increases your risk of cancer or makes the cancer that you've already got worse or stick around longer? Or like, what's the connection? I've lost it a little bit.
1: That's fine. So telomerase adds telomere, you know, caps, more cap, more cap, Mm -hmm. extended amount of cap (laughs) onto the end of chromosomes. Yeah. When a cell divides, there's a process where the DNA is read, copied, and then read again to produce a protein, Mm -hmm. right? During that reading process and that copying process in particular, mistakes are made, right? Yeah. So we know, do we know, yeah, you remember what nucleotides are, right? The individual little letters that make up DNA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've got four different nucleotides, A, C, T, and G.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And say we're reading and we're copying. And instead of copying a C, we copy a G. We put a G in there instead. Okay. So that's kept and we don't notice, the, the cell doesn't notice that there's anything wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just like, yep, yeah, doing my thing, doing my thing. When it gets to the protein-making phase, the protein is produced using groups of three nucleotides. Okay. So ATT, ACG, CGG, that kind of stuff. So it reads those individual threes and produces proteins relevant to that, protein chains. Mm -hmm. But we've just changed that C to a G. So then, instead of reading ACC, We're going to read ACG, which could be a completely different amino acid, a completely different protein in the sequence. Mm -hmm. That's a mutation. Because now that protein doesn't do the same thing that it's meant to. Say that protein's meant to go to the mitochondria. Say that protein's meant to go to the cell wall. Say that protein's meant to help replicate other DNA. That is now broken machinery, and that broken machinery will continue to produce more broken DNA.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Other times, it can cause breaks in DNA, which is also dangerous because then viral DNA can insert itself, or the damage can be the damage can be fixed by the cell, but if it's not fixed correctly, it can again cause another really dangerous mutation or any kind of mutation. Mm-hmm. So this happens every every time a cell divides, right? Every time a piece of DNA is copied, every time your cells want to produce something. Basically, every single thing that happens in your body, every single process that is carried out is as a result of DNA being copied and used. Mm-hmm. And if there's a mistake in that DNA copy, you're going to get a mutation. And then the, it might be a mutation that says the cell can control can grow as much as it wants or the cell can divide as much as it wants. Mm-hmm. If that cell can divide as much as it wants, it's immortal. Right. Okay. So with telomerase adding DNA onto the end of telomeres on well adding more telomere it means that there's more replications allowed to happen okay because the dna is not getting eaten away right because the stop point is the dna gets eaten away the cells damaged it gets destroyed if there's telomeres added the dna is not going to get broken down for much longer leading to more replications leading to a greater chance of mutation
0: right and the mutations are potential potential cancers
1: Leading yeah, leading to potential cancer immortality, right, so you can see why this kind of immortality might not be the best because if you've got a cell that you can't kill growing and growing and growing, that's gonna cause problems if it's somewhere like your brain or your lung, your heart, you know like it's gonna cause issues basically we we don't as we all know, we don't want cancer, we don't want tumors. Mm-mm. It's survivable, but we don't want it. So it then begs the question, okay, what can we do instead? And the answer is nobody really knows. Nobody really has any suggestions on what, or at least if they do have suggestions, they're kept locked up, ready to extort for all the money that you can possibly mm. charge for it. There are organisations which sort of are trying to prepare for the future, and determine, you know, what technology they can use to enhance themselves, what non-biological ways people can use to enhance themselves. Mm -hmm. There's an article, I don't really want to cite it because it's from The Sun, (laughs) but there was an interview with a guy who was talking about immortality because it seems that there's only articles related to The Sun or The Express or, you know, like, it's all fantasy. Yeah,
0: it's not a thing discussed by serious scientists I guess.
1: Right, at least not in public. And he was taking the more sort of, I want to say, bionic route where he was first of all he was bigging himself up because he invented text messages, which (laughs) I didn't really read that because I was like, okay guy (laughs) but he was talking about using technology to keep cells alive and keep people alive. Mm Mm-hmm as you say gets into the bit of a suspicious territory in terms of enhancement and stuff like that Mm. he talks a lot about the fusion of brain and machine
0: right so proper sci-fi stuff
1: (laughs) yeah which is a much more technological and physics kind of thing to get into right it's its whole own topic but it's basically the concept of taking your neurons your brain cells the cells that signal in your brain and mapping them onto a network okay that is obviously artificial Mm -hmm. and kind of like almost moving your consciousness from the organic brain to the neural network
0: right okay
1: i don't know if they've managed to do it or if they've actually had any results because that kind of stuff is quite dangerous you can't necessarily be doing it ethically on humans. <laughs> so there's a real like section of people who are interested in in um, similarly for AI, you know, building neural networks for artificial intelligence. Mm. But there are also people who think that you can put the brain on a neural network and, and connect it that way. Right. It's a similar concept did you see in the news a few years ago that they were trying to give someone a head transplant?
0: No. God how
1: do, I think I'll try yeah I can't remember the specifics I'll try and find the article and link it in the show notes but there was all these things about face transplants which yeah that's just making you know moving removing the face of the the skin of someone's face and putting it on someone else yeah that's you know it's a skin graft yeah but there was someone who claimed they had managed to remove someone's head and put it on someone else's body
0: i mean in that case if Surely that's a body transplant rather than like, it's your head, it's your brain that's the bit that's like controlling who you are as a person, or at least as most of it. So surely in that case, you're not transplanting. If you know, surely the person is the the owner of the head. (laughs) Mm. You know,
1: yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, where do we draw the line here? Are we talking head to body? Are we talking body to head? Like, but like if it's I entirely
0: yeah, if it's entirely somebody else's body, but it's your head. You that you are now the owner of that body, not the other way around.
1: <laughs> but I guess it's not necessarily the the owning of the thing. It's the size of the thing. You're placing the head on a new body because it's the smaller part. I mean, I yes, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, you place a kidney inside of you, you place a head on you. Like, a body is a whole lot of things. Because otherwise it would be a skin, lung, heart, kidney, bladder. You know, like, that kind of transplant. I mean, yeah, You but couldn't like... just say it was a body transplant. Because the body is, like, a whole mass of things.
0: Yeah, I guess, but I suppose I think of transplant as like the the transplant is the thing that gets subsumed into the person, mm. as opposed to like I I, I don't know like if they're, they're like the brain is the bit that determines which person it is,
1: <laughs> like who you are. Yeah, right. I honestly don't. I <laughs> I saw a lot of articles and it was big in the news for a bit, and then maybe there was a re- I don't think it was a retraction, but it was like a exposed he never really did it or he like disappeared right and, like something dodgy happened to <laughs> the patient didn't maybe...
0: survive just they swapped it well... it's like well done you've sewn a new head onto a corpse congrats yeah
1: <laughs> yeah you've just sewn one part of a corpse onto another part of a corpse <laughs> it's not quite to a
0: transplant
1: but like I think there was evidence that he survived, and then the doctor like disappeared, and it right. was actually like, oh, he was lying, and that like, he didn't actually do a transplant of a head onto a body. Mm. Like it was all very weird. But you know, people are clearly out there trying things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: maybe things that they shouldn't be trying. But that is what it is, all the same. So moral so far, halfway point. <laughs> we can't poke ourselves and make them do better, aka stop them aging, because. It comes with a lot of repercussions. Right. Right. It comes with a lot of things to do with loss of, like, regenerative function. Mm-hmm. Cells need to die to be replaced by fresh cells. Okay. You know, like, it just, it's just how it is. You're, you get, your all the cells of your skeleton get replaced every 10 years. Or, you know, so your, your body's constantly going through a cycle of, of new, fresh cells. Which is fine when you're young, because your cells are like, yeah, I can do this. I've got really long telomeres. I can like, do it without mutating too much. And if I do mutate, my body can take care of it. Especially when you're small, you know, when you've got a small body, less cells. Yeah, that's true. But then you become an adult and you grow and there's more cells. And then there's more stimuli, maybe, is not the quite right word, but more places where mutation can be stimulated. Okay. You know, you you go out in the sun more. Mm. Um, you, I don't know, you, you get wounded, you break something and your cells need to fix that break. So there's like a a series of rapid regrowth. And as we know, rapid replication leads to the shortening shortening of telomeres, which leads to DNA damage, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to keep relating it back to the fact that if the DNA gets damaged, that's it. There's no point being immortal with damaged DNA because that's cancer, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Where do you think we should go from here?
0: I'd be interested to hear your take on the various sort of sci-fi answers to the question. So, like, Mm. I've always... The idea of cryogenic chambers is something that, like, um, it comes up in so many different sort of forms in in sci-fi. And... It makes no sense whatsoever. If you freeze somebody, they die. So (laughs) where did that idea come from and does it make any sense? Like, yeah, what are your thoughts?
1: Okay, so I guess cryogenics isn't technically immortality because all I've seen on cryogenics Mm -hmm. is that people are dying. They have an incurable disease. So they're like, mm. yes, freeze me for the future, so that when I get to the future, they'll be able to kill I feel, yeah, me. Yeah, I'm thinking
0: of um, *Neuromancer* by William Gibson. I can't remember the precise details, but um, people get there's 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 a, a rich family who freeze themselves, basically. I don't know whether it's literally freezing themselves, but there there it's more sort of pausing mm-hmm. while they're still alive, pausing the the aging process, and then waking up many years later. To sort of carry on, mm. um, as opposed to freezing a corpse.
1: Right. So those who like TV, perhaps also you could reference Fry in Futurama. Okay. Yeah. He gets he puts gets put in a cryogenic pod and wakes up a thousand years in the future. So yes. Okay. I get you. So currently, what I understand of cryogenics in terms of people mm-hmm. who are trying to be cryogenically frozen. It's typically people who are on their deathbed, people who have an incurable disease and the money to freeze themselves and put themselves in storage. But...
0: You don't risk it when you're healthy. Right,
1: typically. (laughs) You'll be pleased to know that there is a whole journal on cryogenics that comes out. I don't know how often it comes out, but they have many volumes. Cool. Um... But you'll be saddened to know that it's not the cryogenics that we think of. Oh. In physics, cryogenics is the production and behavior of materials at very low temperatures. Fair enough. So it's the, the way that liquid nitrogen works on specific cell systems. Mm-hmm. Um, or not even cell systems, like any kind of systems. Say you're sending an electrical compo- component up into space, it needs to be able to withstand all the various... Mm -hmm. temperature changes. I mean liquid
0: nitrogen and stuff, so it's still pretty cool. I might still check out this journal if I have any chance of understanding it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I didn't even understand it, so I don't know. I will see if I can find a review of all the components that it talks about in the journal to do with cryogenics, because sometimes they'll do like little summary articles that kind of give you an overview, which is obviously a bit more easy to understand. But yeah, so cryogenics in general is more like the physics side of freezing something. Okay. You know how liquid nitrogen is like kept in tanks? It's like making sure that those tanks don't explode and like the properties of liquid nitrogen and how to store it. And obviously there's loads of research going on to do with like the cell reactions and enzyme reactions and all kinds of reactions. Reactions I don't even fully comprehend in this journal. I don't want to say it's beyond the realm of possibility that someone is out there thinking, hmm, How can I safely freeze a body so that they can survive? My one issue with cryogenics in general, and the reason why when you freeze someone, they die, Mm -hmm. is that when you freeze cells, they kind of try to explode. Ah. So, if you try and freeze a body, the cells are going to try and explode. And if it's frozen, you can't. So you have like buffer solutions, you know, do you remember, do you remember way back when in chemistry, GCSE? Nope. (laughs) So you can have a cell in a solution that has equal pH on both sides, equal water pressure on both sides so that the cell doesn't shrink or explode. Okay. Does that make sense? So it's like a solution that, that buffers the effects of being in a liquid that's not in its comfort zone, basically. Right. You don't want things to exit the cell. You don't want water to enter the cell. So you have to put it in a solution that buffers the effects, basically.
0: And that's one cell, not a not a whole person.
1: Yes, it is. So, so you,
0: that's uh... <laughs>
1: you could sustain, I guess you could like, I don't know. Let's picture a world where you're in a tank of liquid. You're hooked up to IVs in a feeding tube and a breathing apparatus. And you're suspended in buffer solution. It's not really going to do much for you right another thing that i saw was that they run a fluid to replace your blood because obviously an issue with blood is that it coagulates and it gets it bacteria love blood highly nutritious so that's one of the issues of like decay is that you die and you're going to get digested so if you run a fluid of highly i don't know what you would call it but like Fluid where it will maintain your body but also is sterile and will I mean your blood's meant to be sterile anyway, but when your cells start exploding, things things start to go a bit sideways <laughs> very quickly so this fluid is meant to like maintain your body and and to feed your body with nutrients but also to be frozen or something. I'm not super clear on the theory behind this idea, but basically they put fluid in your blood vessels that isn't blood that maintains your body and that freezes. Okay. To preserve you. My issue is when you when you freeze that liquid, the cells around it are still gonna get frozen. And then once those cells die, how is the rest of the body meant to
2: hmm.
1: be able to survive, basically?
0: Yeah, that doesn't make sense.
1: So I'm not really sure where where that one's meant to go specifically, where that where that idea is meant to go. <laughs> but People are trying to like insert liquids that will be able to, you know, preserve you and all that kind of stuff. But in the grand principle, freezing isn't the way to go. Okay. Stasis in a different form could be the way to go. Oh. Don't know what you would call that, so couldn't really look it up. But ah. if you can maintain if you can maintain your cells in a form where they're not dividing, they're not growing they're just still, then where would the mutations come from? Where would you age from? Where, you know what I mean?
2: Hmm,
1: yeah. We're going down the more immortality vampire route. I mean, not specifically yeah. vampires, but like you're frozen in time. Yeah. You're suspended in time. Because as soon as people are like, I'm going to freeze myself to suspend myself in time, I'm like, no, we're back to the freezing issue.
0: Yeah, I suppose that, you know, that stasis idea is probably the idea behind cryogenically Mm. stuff, but it's not
1: practical. Yeah,
0: extreme cold is not the way to go.
1: (laughs) I mean, they've discovered woolly mammoths and humans in ice that has begun to melt from the Arctic Circle. Uh, Those people are quite dead. So, you know, if if cryogenesis was going to be a thing, maybe we would have seen survival from ice already Mm. so then we're in a sort of discussion about stasis if you can keep the the person's body in a sterile environment without any interference and keep their cells in a completely still suspended paused state they will stay that age forever right right because what is aging like the depletion of your telomeres mutations lack of regeneration, if there's no, if there's absolutely nothing going on, your body's just paused, then what's to say that it can't be then reactivated, but 20 years in the future, 30 years in the future? Does that I make sense? The question, yeah, the this question is the question, then, I,
0: how do you, how do you reach that stasis? And also, how do you un unpause that?
1: That's the question, isn't it? I actually haven't found <laughs> anything on that. I
0: mm.
1: I thought it was interesting to sort of think about, let's think about like transplants again. Uh When they transport a kidney to a new hospital where the patient is, they put it on ice, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of lends to you the the idea of, oh, if you make something really, really cold, it's going to stop it from breaking down. Yeah. So I guess that's where the idea of cryogenics came from. Mm. So if you can make someone very, 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 very cold, but not frozen, put a fluid in them. That maintains that very, very cold but not frozen temperature, keep them in a completely sterile environment, could that be a form of stasis?
0: Would it pause brain activity? Cause like just cause your cells aren't dividing mm. and are, are neurons still firing? Are you conscious of all of this? Because it sounds very unpleasant.
1: It does sound very unpleasant. That's the other issue, is that as soon as you deprive any of your cells of oxygen, they're donezo.
2: Mm.
1: So if you're gonna slow your body down, how are you going to oxygenate your heart and your lungs and your brain?
0: But then, isn't oxygen one of the things that makes cells like the damage cells?
1: Yeah. So what so are then you going to what? use in alter- <laughs> Yeah. What is the alternative to oxygen? How are you going to How are you going to give the cells the the oxygen that they need without it producing free radicals?
0: Because the best you could do then is just slow down aging, and that's not the same as stopping it.
1: Right, which is where all these like creams and serums come from. Is mm. They're like, we will slow down the ageing of your skin. They're basically um, trying to replace collagen in the skin. The proteins mm. that give your skin structure get broken down over time because of all the things we've talked about. So then you get wrinkles. Do the creams work? I mean, I don't want to say they don't work. But I don't think it's going to change the fact that you're still aging. It just changes the appearance of your aging.
2: Mm.
0: This is what I mean: is does it even change the appearance? Like, I, I don't know.
1: I would say that according to the ads, <laughs> it like five out of fifty people that we asked said that blah 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 happened. But like, Turned how do all, all you know people.
0: if you're looking at someone and you're like, mm-hmm. they are, they have this many wrinkles? How can you say if they hadn't been using the cream they would have had more? Like, how do you know?
1: But then that's the basis of scientific study, isn't it? Like, well, yeah, true. When you do a test, like when you test a drug on somebody, how do you know that they wouldn't have recovered on their own?
0: Yeah. If you're the kind of person who uses anti aging creams regularly, aren't you also probably the kind of person who stays out of the sun for fear of that Mm -hmm. damaging your skin?
1: Which is a completely logical thing because. Yeah. You know, the sun is literally gonna give you cancer if you don't yeah, wear sun. Deadly everybody laser. Needs, everybody <laughs> needs to wear sun cream. If UVA and B touch you, they will hurt you.
0: But like in that case, how do you know whether it was the cream or other sensible actions?
1: Mm-hmm. Or like a lot of those creams will have SPF in them, you know. So now yeah. you're protected from the sun. Yeah, yeah like I'm not saying
0: point. don't moisturize, no. but I- I'm skeptical about spending a lot of money on something that might not actually work in the same way also i don't care about being wrinkly
1: no i mean like it is what it is yeah there's nothing nothing wrong with wrinkles at all i think it's in the same vein as stretch marks like you can't help it when it happens but some people still want to get rid of them yeah which i accept
0: to each their own you know yeah it's your body you can make it look however you want
1: you do what you want to do but most important message is don't try and freeze yourself because you will probably die.
0: <laughs> you will definitely die. Your cells will explode. That sounds like very not fun.
1: It sounds like very not alive. <laughs> but yeah, so there's actually not a lot of scientific research on immortality. So yeah, we're in the we're in the guesswork portion of this episode. Yeah. I believe it's called speculative fiction <laughs> speculative fiction, okay, we like that. we're theorizing we're mm-hmm. we're innovating, <laughs> but yeah, so is it realistic for human cells to be frozen? No, is it possible for them to be slowed down or stopped in their action? Yeah, we have those checkpoints. If we can stop cells from passing those checkpoints, they'd technically be frozen, right or. Mm-hmm. I say frozen in the the not-the-cold sense. Frozen as in frozen in time. Yeah. So is it realistic for human cells to be suspended, perhaps? There are drugs that could stop the cell cycle. But then when you stop the cell cycle, how are you going to replenish cells that are dying? Because cells do just die and are removed. It just happens is that suitable for the body? And then if you're trying to suspend someone, you know, they're going to stop breathing. They're going to stop regenerating muscle to breathe. They're going to stop regenerating muscle for their heart to beat. They're going to stop regenerating blood vessel musculature to pump blood to your brain. So, you know, is being suspended suitable for the brain? As you say, you know, there's... A possibility that you are going to lose oxygen to your brain, and you know if you are having to get your b- brain replaced, are you the same person? Potentially not. Mm. So, if it's a complex tissue system, lungs, heart, you know they've got multiple different types of tissue. How do you provide each of those cells the items that they need to remain healthily in suspension? I think that's the the main thing is is how do you maintain health, but also suspend any growth, any replication. Mm. Because, as you say, and as I say, well, no oxygen means death, but oxygen is toxic. So, it's an interesting question. And if anybody has any thoughts or feelings or answers, they should definitely write in because I honestly have no clue. And whenever I Google immortality, it is very useless. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> when I go yes. on the. To be fair, though, a lot of. Um, there's a lot of articles to do with immortality and the implications on sort of the population and the world. Oh, yeah. There's a suggestion that we're going to get to 2050 and be either something about immortality. I mean, this is the Sun article again. Right. They're like, watch out for 2050, because that's when they think immortality, there's going to be an immortality turning point. Hmm. But I also read an article that was scientifically based out of the University of Washington that suggested that by 2050 we'll have reached our 9.7 billion peak population. Wow. And then we will decline by about 2 to 3 mil- billion people. Why? I think they said that by that point, all the generations of women that could possibly have children have been educated and have access to contraception and have access to healthcare, which means that they're less likely to have multiple children. It's going to change the number of children that each family Yeah, have. that makes sense.
0: Because you're only going to have children if you know for sure that you want them, right. And can take care of them,
1: right? And and it also, you know, whether you have a choice, um, yeah, in, in what happens, yeah. So yeah, so it it apparently is all going to come to a head, Aha. a <laughs> non-transplanted head, in 2050 hmm. to 20, I think it was 2200. I'll find the article and link that as well. Cool. But yeah, it basically said that we're going to reach a peak and then we're going to decrease because all the people that wanted children, well, didn't want children but had children, will have had children that have grown up with access to more healthcare than they had. Right. And so when we reach that peak, the population will go down because the number of, of women having children or the number of people having children that are able to will sort of plateau. Mm-hmm. And the average number of children won't be. Three point seven children it'll be two point one children or something like that right so that's the other issue immortality do do we want immortality if if we're gonna have nine point seven billion people on the planet? Oof. can we sustain it? It's
0: a good question.
1: Do corporations and billion billionaires want to give people money so they can sustain it? <laughs>
0: I don't think so. (laughs) Do we just want a a human race of simply immortal billionaires? (laughs) Everyone (laughs) else dies out and it's just a whole bunch of clones of Jeff Bezos. Oh, God.
2: (laughs) 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 God.
1: I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? Like the cryogenesis and and sort of suspended animation and all this kind of stuff isn't going to be available to the regular person on the street. Hmm. It's going to be for the the really rich. You know what? You just imagine them going into their safe rooms and, and getting cryogenically frozen. They're like, oh my gosh, I hope when I wake up in 100 years' time they won't hate billionaires anymore. <laughs> no, they're still going to hate you.
0: We'll just go switch off their machines.
1: <laughs> well, just let them... You know what I say? Let them get cryogenically frozen. <laughs> they probably won't be waking up from it anyway. No. No, I honestly... I think it's a really interesting ethical issue letting Hmm. people who are terminally ill cryogenically freeze themselves because who is advising them of this?
2: Hmm.
1: Who is saying to them, yeah, you're allowed to freeze yourself, that you could wake up in 100 years time and there'll be a cure. Like who's giving them that hope? I guess the other thing as well is that the things that I've seen for cryogenics is... When the time is right, they will have invented a way to basically resurrect your body from frozen right that's the theory is that they'll have invented a way to basically undo the damage that freezing did
0: okay i I'm skeptical of the idea that you can fix mm. a, a cell that's exploded
1: yes. Like
0: you know, there's some damage <laughs> that that can be fixed. There are some things that I can I can see how one day we might be able to solve them. But putting back together something that's exploded, I'm a, yeah. I'm a little bit a little bit skeptical of that.
1: We're skeptical about that, yeah. <laughs> and then also secondary to that, not only have they discovered a way to reanimate you from frozen, they've also found a way to cure your incurable cancer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that seems unlikely
1: to me. It's it. I think. I get the sense that it's preying on certain types of people, people that mm. have money, people who are desperate, and people who are scared of mortality. Yeah. But that's a much more ethical issue, one that I, as a scientist, have a broad understanding of. And obviously science ethics is a huge, huge topic. Yes. In And each obviously each individual part of science has its own ethics. Hmm. But to me, if you are some kind of healthcare provider that's saying, yeah, we'll be able to resurrect you eventually from frozen. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. I mean, I do actually. I think it sounds horrible and that they shouldn't <laughs> be preying on these poor people who, yeah, you know, are, are scared.
0: Yeah, there's going to be some people making an awful lot of money out of the fears of dying people. And that's sad.
1: I mean, it's where you get insurance companies from, too, though, isn't it? Well, yes,
0: yeah, okay. There are many uh, corporations currently. Of people
1: <laughs> preying on others. <laughs>
0: people making a lot of money on, uh, yeah.
1: But we're not here to make enemies. We're here to talk oh, about no. immortality. Indeed. Would you like to be immortal?
0: Yes, death is terrifying.
1: Oh, me too.
0: <laughs> like I'm aware of all of the all of the very good reasons why being immortal mm. would suck. I am. Mm-hmm. I, I I I'm aware of them. I, I accept them. It, it would be terrible. But death is scary.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> I have no more nuanced opinion. It's, it's just that.
1: Yeah, because the, the people are like, oh, but you're going to leave your family behind. Oh, but you're going to, you know, you're never going to see these people again. And I'm like, if I live 100 years with that person, that's a lot of time. Mm. Also you wouldn't be seeing them anyway if you were dead. Yeah, exactly. I may only get twenty years with that person. I may only get forty years. But if I get immo- if I'm immortal, then I get exponentially more ne- more years with exponentially more people.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah I do love a I do love a good person.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean not all people.
0: <laughs> Kim, your human mask is slipping. <laughs> Whoa. I know. I just I do love breathing and being alive.
1: <laughs> I do like to, what is it you call it? Oh, yes. Blink. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, do you know, like, I, I feel like I love meeting new people and I love going to new places. And I don't know if I can meet the maximum amount of people that I'd want to meet in the time that I have to do so.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's too many books to read in one human oh, life.
1: Yeah. Too I will books, never get to read all the books. Too many movies. Too many pieces of art. Yeah. Too many stories to create. Literally everything. Everything is there's too much of it and not enough time. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I I'm glad you uh I'm glad you think that immortality would be pretty dope. Because <laughs> I'm here to reveal to you that I can become a what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah. Immortality, it's an interesting question and I always ask people whether they'd want to be immortal because everyone's answers are different and they're always Mm. super interesting. I always find it fascinating what the reason someone would give for not or for being immortal. Mm. So, you know, maybe that's a good conversation starter. If anyone doesn't know what to say in a conversation, just ask them about immortality. Because after you've listened to this podcast, you'll be able to tell them the science of it too. (laughs) Talking of um, transplanting body parts onto other body parts, would you like to speak about uh, what we're going to do next time?
0: Yes. Uh, so next time we are continuing this discussion of scientific ethics, probably, mm. um, along with other things, in a discussion of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein.
1: Excellent.
0: This is one of my favourite novels from the Romantic period. And um, it seems like it will be something right up your street too, Kim. Mm. So yes, um, if you want to read that before next time, or just you know listen to the podcast whenever you do finish reading it, that's yeah, that's what we're doing. Should be fun. Yeah,
1: yeah and we'll be looking forward to anyone that has any discussion points too, because
0: absolutely, I love talking about this book. Please talk to me about this book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be reading. Um, we'll be reading and recording that episode in a couple weeks' time. The episode will come out on the fourteenth. Of August, August. <laughs> wow, August. So oh, I know if you want to join along, if you haven't read the book, get it read by the fourteenth of August. If not, obviously the podcast will be available to you whenever you have read it. But yeah, we'll also be um, discussing that at length. So don't forget Q and A on Instagram uh, in a few days' time. Mm-hmm. If you have any. Questions, comments, you can leave them on the website, Please hold squarespace.com because you can view the episodes there too. I know a lot of people listen on Spotify and iTunes, but uh, the episodes are also all available on my website. So if you have a preference for, you know, listening on your computer or listening without ads, because I know sometimes Spotify will have ads if you're trying to listen to all the episodes in a row, mm-hmm. my website has all the episodes too. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to my very scientific non-science <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for ruining my dreams of immortality
1: <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> all right that's it everyone thanks see ya thanks for listening to sparking connections for references and further information find the show notes at anchor.fm slash sparking connections or at my website please hold for dot where you will also find transcripts and links to find us elsewhere on the internet if you have any questions or comments then email us at sparkingconnectionspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment below the episode